When Susan was six and a half, she wrote a short story about a llama. The Little Llama by Susan. One day, she came to my house. I liked her very much. She was cute. I slept with her. In the morning, I combed her hair. And one day, she died. I was very sad, so I buried her in my garden. And I remembered her. And whenever I saw where she was buried, I started to cry. The end. That's Susan reading an unexpectedly tragic llama story. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Royal Cinema in Toronto, we have a chance encounter at an all-ages dance club, speculation about the bus driver, a scary scene in the shower, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and, like Susan's llama story, it can be funny and sad at the same time. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. They say if you want something to happen, it can help to visualize it, to imagine what it'll actually be like to achieve your goals. When Tess was 13, she had a crush, and in her diary, she practiced what you might call a kind of visualization. Tess outlined her entire plan for meeting up with her crush, what she was going to do, how she was going to act, what she would say. She scripted the whole thing out in advance. And at our Toronto show, Tess shared her plan. So just for a bit of context, I am uh, in this passage meeting my crush and his friend at the park. Uh, and it's me and my friend going to, going to meet them. <clears throat> I have planned to meet Ryan on Wednesday with Celia. Ryan really wants to see me again. Oh my God, what am I going to say? Let's plan this thing out. <clears throat> We arrive at the meeting place, looking all fabulous and coated in makeup. (laughs) We spot him and walk over. I say a casual, hi, and smile enchantingly, (laughs) showing off my newly unbraced teeth, (laughs) but hiding the bottom teeth because the braces aren't off yet. He says, hi in his deliciously deep voice. I say, wow, it's been a long time, and I smile nicely. He says, yeah. I smile. I smile and say, you are so tall. He smiles. I say, oh, this is Celia, by the way. Celia, Ryan, Ryan, Celia. Celia and Ryan smile at each other. I say, (laughs) and I'm presuming this is Brandon, I smile at him. He waves. I look at him and say, wow, it really has been so long. Last time I saw you was like almost a year ago. You look so different. 
I smile flirtatiously. <laughs> I then either say, well, I see you're not wearing hats anymore. <laughs> or, or I say, so you're still wearing hats, huh? <laughs> I smile flirtatiously. <clears throat> After a minute of talking and lots of flirtatious smiling, I say, to sound like we actually have lives, well, me and Celia really have to go. We actually have lots of homework. It's why I invited her over, actually. So hopefully we'll meet again soon. And Brandon, it was nice meeting you. Maybe I'll see you again. Then I close with a flirtatious smile and a casual but slightly romantic au revoir <laughs> at Ryan and turn my heel with Celia. We walk back home screaming. <laughs> well, diary, that sounds easy enough. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that Tess read that flirtatiously. When Luke was 12, he really wanted a pet. And so, when his teacher gave the class a writing assignment to craft a persuasive argument, Luke knew exactly what he was going to argue for. Why we should get a pet. Christmas is coming up, and every kid's favorite Christmas present is a pet. I'm not saying that I want a pet for Christmas, I'm saying that I want a pet. <laughs> All of my friends and my sister's friends are getting pets, so we feel left out. Also, we need to get something to keep our minds off the computer and PlayStation. It will save us electricity. <laughs> Another reason why we should get a pet is that right before my cousin moved in, we were going to get a cat originally, but now we can't because he's allergic to them. So we should at least get something small to last us until our cousin moves out. <clears throat> in the past few weeks, all of my closest friends have been getting new pets. Emily got a new kitten, Alicia got a hamster, and Cody got a puppy. Also, a few of people in my sister's class were bragging about how they were getting a pet. Even my mom couldn't believe that all of these people were getting a new pet in the same time period, but still, it is a no. <laughs> I have rarely been left out of something, and I'm not going to start now. <clears throat> Lately, we have gotten a new computer, PlayStation 2, and me and my sister have been hooked to them. If we had a pet, we would spend less time on the computer watching TV or playing on the PlayStation. We would spend more time playing with our pet and taking care of it. It would save us electricity. <laughs> About two years ago, my cousin moved into our basement, and it just so happens that he's allergic to cats and dogs. We were about to get a cat before he moved in, but it was too late. 
he won't move out for another year and a half, so in the meantime, we can at least get a small pet. <laughs> Not anything big and expensive, just something that we can play with and learn to love. <clears throat> a year and a half is about the time period of the life of most small pets. E.G. fish, comma, hamster. So, as soon as that pet dies, we will be able to get over that death by buying a new pet. <laughs> such as a cat, because our cousin would be gone. <laughs> Therefore, a new pet would keep me and my sister at the same pace as our friends, and maybe even save a little electricity in the process. <laughs> I don't want a big pet, just a pet until our cousin moves out. <laughs> Nothing expensive, just something that can last a year and a half. Thank you. Our next reader is Romina, and Romina is going to share a selection from her grade seven literary journal. I asked Romina, what is a literary journal? She said, I'm not sure, but that's what it says on it. So we're going to find out. This was written for school, and Romina tells me these are entries that have to do with questioning the world around her. Please welcome Romina to our stage. Cell phones. My mom recently got a cell phone for Mother's Day, but she asked me something that's got me wondering too. Who are all these people on cell phones talking to? Nowadays, wherever you go, you see people on cell phones. How many people are there possibly out there to talk to? Maybe some people just like to stay in touch with their friends. But how many friends can one person have? Maybe it's business. But how many business deals can one person make? So who are all these people talking to? The world today. This idea came to me while sitting in my car. I was watching a man walking around. It made me think, this world we have created, it's full of chaos. <laughs> Anybody could be a bad guy. Your next door neighbor could really be a murderer. Can you really know? I remember when I was seven and I thought my mom was an alien. I was so convinced. Can you really know? Can we really know? 
Jeff. The child behind the face. (laughs) My bus driver, Jeff. (laughs) Was probably raised in a pretty strict family. His childhood was probably filled with do this and do that. I don't know what happened to him. Did he wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a bus driver? If you ask me, I think he's taking out his pain on us. (laughs) Or in other words, being a bully. Has he signed a contract so that he can't quit? Does he have to wait until the contract date is over? Does he have a family? Is he this way with his children? How about his wife? Does he have children or a wife? I myself don't like Jeff. I chose to write about it, though, because to me, he is an interesting subject. Something everyone can ponder about. Mimi. Mimi was an angel. You might be wondering why I use was. Maybe it's because Mimi passed away September 20th, my mom's birthday. Of course, Mimi's still probably an angel flying above the clouds. Mimi was trouble. She didn't know what to expect. She was only a little rabbit (laughs) with loads of trouble. Mimi was beautiful. She was just right for me. She wasn't too fancy or a rabbit who didn't care what others cared about her. (laughs) She was in the middle. We were a perfect match. Mimi was energetic. She would run around my room for hours before she would become tired. Mimi was a good learner. It taught her how to behave. She learned so quickly. Mimi was sick. She died at night, and the day before I saw her, she was terribly sick. She couldn't get up, she couldn't eat, she was going to die. Mimi was perfect, just the right rabbit for me. She was not boring. She didn't sit in one spot all day. I loved her. Sometimes I wonder, was it my fault she died? Did I give her enough love, enough food, enough water, enough warmth? How can I know? But all I can say is rest in peace, Mimi. Thank you. One more time for Romina. For every single person in this room, my genuine wish for you is that tonight when you put your head on your pillow and you're drifting off to sleep, 
that Romina's words, your next door neighbor could be a murderer, ring through your ears and gently lull you to sleep. Not everything we hear on our stage is necessarily ha-ha funny. Some of it's weird funny, some of it's awkward funny. And our next reader, Sam, brought a piece of writing that you could call scary funny. When she was 14, something pretty traumatic happened to Sam, and she wrote an email about it to her aunt. Then Sam printed out a copy of the email to her aunt and taped it inside her journal for posterity. So the original artifact is a journal, but what we are hearing is a printout of an email to her aunt Pam that she pasted inside. I think I have that right. Please welcome Sam to our stage. A quick heads up, Sam's reading acknowledges the existence of suicide and self-harm, though the letter is not about suicide or self-harm. All right, this was June 15th, 2004. So the next topic is my wrist, a shower, and a razor. I've told the story so much that I decided just to put in a copy of an email that I sent to Aunt Pam. It includes my thoughts, so all the information is there. I tell what happened in a humorous-slash-comic point of view, but I'm serious. This was very scary. This involved my life, and is why I'm very happy to be here today. Hi! Hi, 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 hi! <laughs> I'm so very happy you wrote. You made my day. I was thinking of writing a while ago, but I thought that with Grace on the go, you might not check your email soon. Well, school's almost done, but unfortunately, that does not mean that the teachers have held up on our homework. Sad face. But one thing that does help me with my work is my wrist in an accident. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Sam did something stupid. Well, yes, it was not very smooth, as some people may say, but it was an accident. But it was very scary. Here's my story. Monday night, right? Soccer, sweaty, you know what I mean. So I go for a shower, shaving. Razor gets put in a container we have. Something falls, so I bend down to pick it up. Nothing bad is supposed to happen. But of course, I'm a klutz. I hit the container, razors fly, and one, sadly yes, hits my wrist. Then what? I see blood. I'm thinking, oh crap, I just hit my artery. Mom! Mom! And I don't want my dad to think I left him out. Dad! (laughs) So once mom heard me call for dad, they think I just fell over in the shower, broke an arm, and now I have a bone sticking out of my skin. So they come running up, and I'm still thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die in an ambulance. I'm never going to see my family again. I'll never see Catherine or Stephen again. I can never finish the book we're writing. I'm never going to have a prom. In brackets. But that's not very important. (laughs) And I'm never going to grow old. So mom comes up. Dad's there. Sid's there. And I'm standing in the shower. Way to go, nuthead. You just invited everyone to come watch you take a shower. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing thinking back to this. I've had to tell so many people what happened, but I haven't told anyone what I was thinking. Mom and Dad don't even know what went through my head, so you're the lucky ones to hear my thoughts. And usually, I never tell people my personal thoughts. So you guys are special. (laughs) Mom is now reading this. (laughs) So technically, that's a lie. (laughs) 
Anyways, mom looks at it, but we can't tell with, much, with so much blood around. So we hold it underwater, apply pressure. It's over my head. Bleeding is stopping. I can't remember why, but Sid was laughing at me for some reason, and that got me mad. I was scared for my life, and my sister is laughing at me. I got quite mad at her. She stops, but then laughs again. I don't remember much else with Sydney because I felt weak. My knees were shaking. I wanted to puke. Sorry, I wanted to empty my stomach. (laughs) Mom said I lost all color in my face. Then I was scared I'd faint slip, because I'm still in the shower, fall, and then really break my arm. I don't remember much else. Mom had to finish washing my hair because she wanted it washed while I was in the shower. (laughs) And all I wanted to do was get out and clean up my arm, so I was not very excited. Anyways, I think I'm making a bigger deal out of this than it is, so I didn't hit my artery, and I'm living for the moment. (laughs) But then it hits me. I have to go to school. Then what are the kids going to think? I'm trying to commit suicide? Great, that's all I need to ruin my reputation. (laughs) I was scared. Next day, I have an eye doctor's appointment. Good, I don't have to face the kids at school yet. Next day, I go to school. My closer friends ask what happens, and I tell them, My one friend says I was cutting, but was just joking, although I don't see why she should joke about something so serious. Next day, school field trip, Stratford. That day, it starts to scab. That was painful. Anyway, I move my wrist. It pulls skin, which pulls a scab. That night, when my mom pulls the gauze pads off, owie, some of the scab did peel off. Nice. (laughs) Today, it's all oozy and bloody with a bunch of dried blood around it and in the middle. Ooh, Marineland commercial. There's a place I know in Ontario. As I was saying, (laughs) in the middle is a bunch of pussy mucusy stuff. (laughs) And you know what's really funny? Scaring the popular crowd of girls with it. (laughs) I'm so evil. Wait, that's not something to be proud of, is it? Yep, I don't know what we're doing for the summer, but I have to go. My wrist is killing me, and I gotta go because mom wants me off the net. Have fun reading my story. I guess it's almost long enough to be one. I'll have to write tomorrow or something. Tell Jack we all said hi. We're thinking of him. And tell Uncle Dave I said hi too. That's all for now, folks. Hope everything is well. Love ya. Sammy. XOXOXOXOXO. Thank you. After the show, Sam called in to reflect on that letter. So looking back, what strikes me most about the letter to my aunt was my concern about what my peers were going to think about this incident in the shower. And I was so struck by how conscious I was of what the people thought around me. And referring to mental health, I remember thinking at that time, just being so afraid of being associated with the topic. Uh, that it would lead to weakness or that it was a reflection of my family and like my upbringing and I had a real sense of shame around it. Uh, looking back on it now, uh, it was shortly after this this email that I sent when I was 14 where I, I started to deal with depression and I didn't tell anyone and I can really see you reflecting on this email how I, I was set up to keep it closed and behind like really closed doors and there was no freedom for me to express 
and what I was actually going through. Um, uh, I definitely recognized the quirkiness and I think the humor that I added into it and the rest of it is uh, quite, quite distant. Um, I now see myself in a much more compassionate uh, understanding and I have no shame in who who I am and what I went through and can speak openly about it. Um, so yeah, I, I recognize all of the things I love about myself and have the utmost compassion for all of the things that I was learning at the same time. When Holly was 14, she went to an all-ages dance club. And while she was there, she danced with a boy. Then, when she got home, she wrote about the experience in her diary. Please welcome Holly to our stage. A quick heads up, Holly uses a cuss word in her diary, which we do not bleep. March 12th, 1989. Well, yesterday I worked. Nothing happened. But last night, I went to one of those teen dance clubs that I never thought I would lower myself to going to. (laughs) But it was Janice's birthday, so I went. When we first got there, the music was loud and the strobe lights were flashing. It was hard to get used to at first. When I first came in, I noticed a really nice-looking guy about the same age as us. Well, later on, the guy came up to me and started dancing behind me. We slowly got closer until our bodies were rubbing. (laughs) Then he slipped his hands softly into the pockets of my jeans. We began to flow and stick together. I felt great. (laughs) Then I put my hands behind his waist and clinched them. He was such a comfort. We began to bend back. (laughs) And I rested my head on his chest, sort of. He kissed my neck. I was in heaven. (laughs) Then Alexis came over and said that I had to go with her. I didn't want to, but I did. When I went back to the guy, he was talking to his friend about getting a drink. Then he walked past me and put his arms around my waist. I quickly grabbed Megan, and we went for a drink. I don't know what happened, but the next time I saw him, he was in the coat line. I asked him if he was leaving, and he looked down and nodded. I was heartbroken. I hope I see him again. I would like to go next week. Bye. Same day. I have been thinking about last night. I felt sort of safe when he had his arms around me. Since I was in this new place with people who were all older than me, they didn't know they were, but I did. He was sort of a comfort. 
To think I never really got his name makes me sad. Maybe he wasn't looking for a long-lasting relationship. (laughs) Maybe he just wanted to dance with me. But the way we were dancing, it didn't seem like he just wanted to dance. (laughs) I think I would like to go back. But I'm sure if I went, I would spend my whole time looking for him. And perhaps I found him. Maybe he wouldn't remember me. I don't know. I sort of wish I didn't go. Well, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, the wrong way. Maybe I should think of it just as some guy that I had a good time with on the dance floor of Club Focus on Saturday, March 11th, 1989. (laughs) But thinking of it that way makes me feel like a slut. (laughs) And that's another thing. If this gets around the school, I'm dead. Thank you. That has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids Toronto. Huge round of applause for everybody who read tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you for coming to listen. Thank you to Su Hong for doing sound and to Colin for doing projection and Jack and everybody here at the Royal. Thank you to Leanne at the door. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around. Say hello. Get home safe. Dig up your own kid writing. We'll see you soon, Toronto. Bye. Still wearing hats, huh? (laughs) 